A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that hookup was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Every Girl Podcast. Emma, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's a Friday. I'm a little drowsy, I would say, but otherwise, good. Doing well. How are I you? Know. I'm doing great. You know why? Last night, or I'm, you know, have been testing out this aura ring for the site oh. for an article on the site, and I like just like kept wearing it. I slept nine hours, which I never do. I never, ever, ever do. Oh I literally gosh. slept through my alarm. Thank God I woke up like right when I had to be online and just like hustled to my desk. But I never sleep that long. I'm like a seven-hour sleeper. And I was at nine solid hours, had a great d- dream about living in Paris. It was like the best night of my oh life. Oh my God. I That's know. incredible. It was a great I night. I was actually about... I was about to mention to you, I was thinking I was going to say this to you, not on our recording, but I was like, I really need to figure out my sleep schedule because this is so messed up. And I keep having dreams about like natural disasters and tornadoes. So Emma, <laughs> like you have a reoccurring dream about the same stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's all natural disasters. No, it's not all natural disasters. I think that's just a, a recent thing, but I need help with my sleep schedule. So I'll be curious to read your review because of the aura ring. Okay. Maybe that would motivate me. That it might motivate you. I mean, that's good for like, yeah, if you need some help with, I hate the word accountability, but accountability would be help. But I let, we can dive into that further. I also find that fascinating about your dreams. And I think like so many different people that I've talked to, this is, we're on such a tangent, which I <laughs> like really got deep into it. But so many like experts that I've talked to, are like, if you have a reoccurring dream, it's a big deal. Like look into what it is. And I'm going to give you an example that actually might help you like understand. Um, I have dreams about serial killers all the time, serial killers all the time. And there has been like stages of my life, like maybe in the past, like seven years, it's been this, like not when I was a child, but like the past seven years on and off, I have nightmares about serial killers, about people chasing me, like awful dreams. So then I was talking to my therapist about it and I was like, I'm not like crazy stressed or like, like, I don't understand why like these crazy, like they're dark, they're dark. And I'm like, I don't like that. Like I don't watch (laughs) horror movies. Like I stay far away from that. I'm like not very like stressed about anything. So I don't understand what it could be. And so then she like asked me to give the main feelings that I feel and like who's chasing me and like all this stuff. And it's always like 
So I was like explaining to her, like, it's something that I, it's someone I don't know. It's never like a person that I know that turns into a killer. It's like always someone I don't know. Um, I never feel like I can run away from it. I don't know where it's going. And she was like, what in your life feels like you don't know what the stressor is or like you're scared of the unknown. And I have like such bad health anxiety where I will like panic about, you know, any little thing in my life. So she basically pinpointed like, it's because of the unknown that comes with your health anxiety. When your health anxiety spikes, that's when you dream about serial killers. So to me, that made so much sense. And so I say that to you because like, what are the main themes that you're taking from these like natural disaster dreams? Like, is it feeling out of control? Like, what is it? I mean, I don't know. Wow, we're really getting into it. I don't know (laughs) if it's necessarily symbolic of anything. I think I might just be reading the news too much. <laughs> so uh, uh that's an easy fix sure but it, it like it might it might literally be a fear of natural disasters it might literally um, be or maybe you have like a past life regression like i swear my mom died in a t- tornado in a past life and you're like reliving the past life experience what? yeah oh my god emma i could go deep okay so i really try to overanalyze your dreams and it's just as simple as you're you're afraid of, I'm natural, afraid of natural disasters i don't know i don't maybe we'll unpack it with my therapist but yeah. um unpack yeah i do therapist. need to figure out my sleep schedule but glad to hear you had a great night of sleep <laughs> and dreamt about paris that's not awesome. to brag not to brag knowing <laughs> your crazy nights but yeah honestly look into that i also know that i think about it not that i have like right but when I started my first full-time job, like after graduating college, I had so like, that's why I started going to therapy because I had so many like other bad dreams and my anxiety mm-hmm. got so bad just of like the being in like real life and like feeling like I had literally, I mean, I, I, it was, I was working for the Evergirl then too. It was, I had the best bosses. I had the best job. Like, and still mm-hmm. it was just like the pressure I put on myself of, like you got to show them like how amazing you are. And you know, like the pressure that comes with like yeah. having your first full-time job, I think. So just another thing yeah. to think about. That, no, that's a good point. I mean, the real world, man, it's like the void. It'll bite you in the ass. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, there's a lot to think about yeah. with regards to starting your first job and entering the real world. So yeah. it could surely be that showing up in my dreams. Yeah. It could just be stress, feeling out of control. Like it can be a lot of things. Even when you have a fun boss like me, you yeah, still no, exactly. have stress and I get it. It <laughs> yeah. still is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, maybe the listeners, if they have any dream questions for us. Yeah. Can, or any tips. Can, anything yeah. that you found, or like DM us at the Evergirl podcast. Yeah. Because it sounds like Emma needs some tips. I honestly still need (laughs) tips too. And speaking of that, also listeners out there, Emma's moving to Chicago this weekend, right? Well, this weekend when they listen to it. This weekend when they listen to it. Yes. This So this coming weekend, Emma's moving to Chicago from Colorado um, because that is where the Evergirl's based. So she is moving there, which is so exciting. How are you feeling? Are you stressed about that? Like, are there stress dreams in relationship to moving? Because that's also a lot. Uh, yeah. Well, I haven't dreamt about moving, but I definitely am stressed. As I mentioned on our meeting the other day, I'm really stressed about setting up my Wi-Fi router by myself. (laughs) Certainly am stressed because like furniture, 
furniture, right? Making friends in a new city. I'm planning to write probably like as many articles as humanly possible about how that goes for me. Yeah, as you should. I it's such a universal experience of like moving, making new friends, even not moving and just like leaving college and getting into a different work environment. Like I think that every single person in their life has had the experience of being like, uh, I don't have friends. Like I didn't, they didn't yeah. just like <laughs> give them to me, like in school where you just are like in the yeah. same class with people. So I think so many exciting things are coming for you, Emma, that I can't wait. I think that we'll do, because I think that this is such a relatable thing. Like I, I know people will want to hear how you're making friends, how you're adjusting to a totally new city. Like, so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll keep the people updated because yeah, we'll, it's a universal experience that a lot of people yeah. go through. We'll report back. We'll report back. Sure. And you can report um, back about your internet router. <laughs> You will yeah. prove to yourself what an independent freaking woman you are, Emma. Yes. You'll be amazed. Yeah. Honestly, I don't need any other empowerment at this point other than being able to set up my internet yeah. router by myself. Literally. Um, so. You'll be like, yeah. holy shit, I'm a badass. I just set up yeah. my own fucking internet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, shall we dive into the question of the week for the Ask the Evergirl segment? Emma, hit me with the question. Yes, we absolutely should. So this week's question is, summer always triggers a lot of negative feelings about my body. Having to be in shorts and swimsuits a lot makes me feel really bad about myself and overly critical about my body. Help. Hmm. Okay. This is a very, very good question. A common one too. A common one. I, I mean, I really, it, it's, I think it's so common that I'm sure every single person listening to this was like, yeah, same. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, it's so sad to think about how as women, we all pinpoint something wrong with our appearance. Like I remember being in third grade that's the first time that I like remember being aware of like my body is not mm-hmm. just like normal and happy for existing. Mm-hmm. Like I remember thinking I was, you know, however old you are, like eight years old and looking in the mirror and thinking that I was fat. And that's so sad to think about being that young. And I know that's when it starts for most of us. And it's not because my mom was ever like put that pressure on me. Like even to this day, my mom has never talked about my or her weight to me. So that's how deeply it was in media and among my friends, like that at eight years old, I could be exposed to whatever external conversation about weight that I put it on myself. And I felt like I needed to eat less ho-hos. Mm-hmm. That's like the one thing I would, <laughs> my mom would never buy um, like ho-hos because she was like, she like understood like added toxins and stuff. So she'd buy us like the organic versions, but which is like, so what I'm going to do to my kids too. But I was like loved ho-ho. So I would steal everyone else's ho-hos at lunch. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking like, I need to stop eating everyone else's ho-ho. Oh, that's so Josie. sad. I know that's so that sad. Is so sad. <laughs> well, little eight-year-old Josie. You're like, damn it, Josie, quit the ho-hos already. Oh no, you can have a ho-ho. <laughs> no, but I say that to say like how, how much like media... I don't know if I don't like, I think that it's probably a combination of like media. I'm sure my friends had started to talk about bodies and like, that's how strong it is that you can be this innocent eight-year-old that has no other meaning to your body and the outside world puts so much on it. 
anyway, to answer the question, first of all, completely hear you and understand you. Obviously, I think there's a lot of advice out there that that's really good of like rewiring the thought. Like, you know, every time you think something bad about yourself, every time you're like, oh, my thighs look too big, then you rewire the thought and you replace it with a new thought of like, okay, no, my thighs aren't too big. I either like, I look amazing or just like, no, my thighs are, you know, amazing. They let me walk. They let me run. Like, I don't know, just like replacing the thought. I think that that's helpful. But to be honest, like, I think what has been helpful for me is actually seeing my worth outside of my appearance. And I'm not one to usually take a tough love approach, but actually this, what really helped me recently, especially a few months back, I was in this like underwear photo shoot. It was like a wellness thing for like a period underwear. So it wasn't like the sexy lingerie thing. It was like literally for like period underwear. And so I was in this campaign and I, of course, I'm like sitting there thinking, you know, you can clearly see my cellulite, my stretch marks, like my stomach isn't toned. Like I got into that spiral. And then I literally had this thought to myself of like, who cares? Like literally who cares? No one Mm -hmm. else cares except me. The people that are going to see these photos, they're not going to sit there and be thinking, oh, she has that little patch of cellulite or like, oh, her stomach could be a little flatter. No one thinks like that besides we do. So ever since that moment, the past few months throughout the summer, I feel like a different person because in summer's past, I totally have gone into that spiral of like, oh, I don't want to be around or I don't want to wear a bathing suit today or like, I'm not feeling great. But this summer was different because of that. I don't want to call it an affirmation, more of just like a reality check, I guess, was like, it it helped me so much to be like, who cares? So while again, I'm not usually someone to take a tough love approach and, and I don't mean this to sound like tough love, but hopefully that it's helpful for people out there who are experiencing those insecurities to literally think no one else cares. Yeah, I think like something that helped me a lot was like learning about body neutrality, which we have a really good article on the site about it. And I would love for us to someday have someone who's an expert in it on the podcast. Like that would be such a good episode. But like for me, I think that like the whole like body positivity thing didn't land with me. And like the whole, like when it came to feeling insecure about my body, trying to force myself to think like, no, I love my body or like that sort of messaging um, Mm -hmm. was like, it didn't really land with me. I think, um, and it kind of has like a complicated history, which I've learned more about. And so body neutrality is really just like, whenever you are thinking those insecure thoughts about your physical self, like just sort of thinking more in terms of my body just is, like it just is. It's not good or bad. There's no moral value assigned to your body. It just is existing. And that's, I think, a way that we can all sort of approach these insecurities, especially when the like love yourself pressure feels like icky or too much. So 100%. that's kind of my advice is to look into body neutrality and um, thinking a lot more about like what your body can do for you. And yeah, like you said, like getting back to like the sort of like before state, before you were exposed to all of this 
messaging of just like when you were a little kid, like your body was just there to be there. And it's, that's still how it is. It's just that society implants these thoughts in your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Like your body lets you run and play and hug and laugh and dance. And and like, that's, it's worth. Yeah. Not how it looks to other people. Even if it doesn't, like, even if you have a physical disability, like your body still just is, you know, like it's just there. Yeah. It's able to carry you through life. However. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, Emma. I'm so happy that, because that's such a good point that I think with the body positivity movement, it almost isolates a lot of people because they're like, I just can't buy into it. I can't be like, yeah, you look fucking hot today. Like, I just can't feel it. And, And then it isolates them more and they feel like then there's something wrong with them or their body's really wrong that they can't accept that. So I I think that body neutrality is such a powerful way to shift and that can really help counter those thoughts. I also think it's so much easier to focus less on your appearance when you're confident in who you are otherwise. And I don't mean in the cliche, like it's on the inside that counts. I mean, like literally when you know your worth, when you're proud of the person you are, when you know you have integrity, when you're true to yourself, when you're authentic, I think it makes the physical appearance matter less because like I said, in my opinion, we all have insecurity, sadly, and we're just societally programmed to. So confidence is not necessarily believing you don't have any flaws. I love that thought to just like re go back to when you were a kid, like you were saying, and like before the world took its angry claws and and took grasp Mm -hmm. of you, like how did you think about your body then? You didn't. And maybe we can get to a place where that's the goal. Not that we feel like we look amazing, like that would be a great goal, but maybe the more realistic goal is where we just don't have to think about our bodies at all. Exactly. Amazing. And also like go out there, rock your short shorts, rock your bathing suit. Like sometimes it's kind of like just like a fake it to your make it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, also if, if, if you put on an item of clothing and you feel uncomfortable wearing it, you don't have to wear it. Like I feel like this <laughs> is such true. a, I feel like this is such a thing with like, things will be trendy and you'll feel like you need to put on a certain top or a certain pair of shorts or whatever, but like, you don't have to wear it if it is making you feel uncomfortable. Correct. So you don't have to wear it. Yeah. You don't have to wear it unless like if it is like every time you're in any bathing suit, you feel uncomfortable. Right. And that's what yeah. I would say. Who cares? That's what I would tell yourself. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares how I look in this bathing suit? Not a damn person besides you. Yeah. But again, keep us posted. Write to us. Like what else can we help with? Body confidence is a big one. Go listen to Katie Storino's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that was back this spring. I think that one was so profound in sharing how she was able to accept her body and then go through the entire journey of like then being a voice to help other women accept, I guess is the right word, accept their bodies. Cause you're right. It's not like I have to be in love with it. And it's about acceptance and like knowing that it doesn't define our worth. So go listen to that episode. Um, I think that one can be really helpful for you. And thanks for the question. For anyone else and any questions, you can DM us at, at the every girl podcast on Instagram or shoot us an email podcast at the every We are here to 
answer all of your questions. So let's get into the episode. Our episode is with Lindy Galloway, who is the founder, designer, and chief creative officer of Lindy Galloway Studio and Shop, a full-service interior design firm and online shop based in Orange County, California. Lindy is so cool, guys. She is a self-taught designer, which is so interesting to see how she actually got into the design world. Um, she infuses her California root style by blending it with like a Nancy Myers feel. Think of it like architectural digest mixed with like California cool. It's very, very chic. Her work has appeared in Architectural Digest, El Decor, House Beautiful, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and many more. This conversation goes into a lot. We talk about her as like the business person, which is, I think, really interesting, right, Emma? Like it was cool to see her discuss how she actually was like self-taught, like what that means and how she, you know, uses her combination of creativity with her business skills to get to the successful level she was at. I think she had so many helpful my favorite word, helpful takeaways for people to apply to their own business life. And then obviously she shares some amazing decor tips for you to romanticize your space and use your home as a key part of your manifestation practice, which I think is such a cool way to think about it. I mean, this episode came at the perfect time because, you know, I'm planning my first apartment. And though I will not be having a gorgeous, glamorous Lindy Galloway home um, <laughs> as a 22-year-old, I can aspire to that. I'm manifesting that. Sure. And her tips were actually like very useful to me in terms of like getting the right sized rug and thinking about things in terms of layers. I can certifiably say from someone who's thinking about building a space for herself, it is very useful. Yeah, conversation. It's a very useful episode. You'll get so many tips out of it, whether you're interested in business or in design. We cover it all. Please welcome Lindy Galloway to the Evergirl Podcast and enjoy the conversation. You're very natural on all of these. I love listening to them. Well, thank you. I so appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. I love to get a chat with people like you. It's always fun to meet people and get their tips. I feel like I like found a cheat code to life of like, let me just make my job a (laughs) podcast host and I get to ask everything that I want. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Lindy, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Every Girl Podcast. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we get into all of your amazing decor tips, because I know you have a lot of great ones, I would love to know how you even got into interior design in the first place. What were you doing before you got into interior design and what kind of sparked your interest? Oh my gosh, such a good question and such a journey. So I'll shorten it. Before I got into this, I was actually in the wedding world. I was doing wedding planning and design and I just woke up one morning and I was like, this is not for me. I had like my midlife crisis in my like mid twenties. And I was like, what am I going to do next? What is kind of the next thing that I, that I want? So I took a little time to kind of discover what that was. Meanwhile, I got pregnant with our first kiddo. And while I was literally like delivering in the room, my husband's like, I'm on Zillow and I found a cool house. So you should go check it out. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing the hardest thing woman will ever do. (laughs) And you're like cruising Zillow. So we had found this home that was like a fixer upper. I have no training in interior design. I've never done it. I had, of course, design background in weddings and like other creative fields that I was in. But this was really new and different. 
So I embarked on kind of, you know, bootstrapping this remodel and from there, I ended up posting it on Instagram and started with, you know, a small amount of followers and then ended up getting more. And from there, I uh, got a couple big projects. And my vision has always been to do the full vision of a home. So not just one room or one area, you know, I kind of got lucky in that I had a very strong understanding of what I wanted to do in the beginning. And so we've always been doing high end custom homes and it's been really great. But yeah, my husband, you know, I guess I have some things to think for him on it because, you know, he pushed me into a whole other area that I didn't know. And I got to make a lot of mistakes on that place. And now, you know, eight years later, I'm doing the thing. First of all, when you were in delivery in your hospital room, ready to give birth, and he was on Zillow, were you like about (laughs) to punch him in the face or like, how did that conversation go down? Fully. And here's the best part too, is we're at Hoke Hospital, which is Newport Beach, which has like ocean view. And I like, no woman is enjoying the ocean view. So he's like <laughs> kicked back, like enjoying the view while I'm like getting ready for like the biggest moment. But yeah, I was dying laughing, but he's always been a strong partner. So I was like, you know, what else is he going to do in there? So sure. Good. Sure. What else is he going <laughs> to throw? Like, let's, let's move later. Okay, great. I, yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. But how cool that that pushed you into this kind of like newfound love that turned into your biggest like career of your life. Like that's so wild how it so organically shifted. It really did. So when you were redoing that house that you found on, that your husband found on Zillow, what was it about the (laughs) interior design process that made you think like, oh my God, I want to do this for my career. I want to do this for other people. Like what sparked that huge passion for you? I think for me from the beginning, you know, being in the creative field in the past, I think that this new landscape made me think about design completely differently because a home is so personal and it's so much about the life that we live and what we are engaged in every single day, whether we realize it consciously or subconsciously. And I think what I realized about this industry is there was such an opportunity to create these kind of lifelong experiences for people. And that really attracted me to it. And I think that I realized that I had kind of this hidden knack. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like in the beginning, our other house that we were in sold in 14 days. We moved out. We started this build. My son was three weeks old at the time. Oh so my like, God. It, was, it was wild. So then within like six months, I'm like, mom, I think I'm starting this thing. Like, can you watch my kiddo? So I met like Starbucks with all the other kind of strangers at Starbucks who are all fighting over like the plugger for getting your cord in. Um, and <laughs> made friends with all the wackadoos and all the cool ones. And from there, I just felt like there was this opportunity to really kind of develop something more with what I was doing. And um, I really enjoyed what I was doing. And But the beginning stages were were definitely something. And like I said earlier, you know, when I was on that journey, I made a lot of mistakes. But I think what I found was this grounding moment of this is what I really want to do for my career and how I can, you know, leave a mark on the world. Yeah. That you just kind of like had that like aha moment of like, this is it. Like this feels right. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So So it was a, yeah, it was a journey. And I know that you're self-taught. What does that even mean for you? How did you teach yourself? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was the, I was a person like late night. I'm not, okay. I'm not going to lie. Like a contractor would say something on site and I'm like, totally. And I'd go (laughs) home and I'd be like, Googling it midnight. Like, what does that mean? You know, (laughs) totally. It was really about like showing up with that confidence. But I think for me, the self-taught part of it was, um, just that like living and breathing in it. And 
wasn't afraid to learn something new. I think you got to like set your ego aside when you are learning something new and just be like, I'm going to dive into this and figure it out along the way. But I was very, very much embraced, you know, learning and um, reading a bunch of different books, you know, kind of looking at different designers that I loved and sort of taking pieces what they were doing. But I think the biggest piece of it was just learning along the way and the failures made the successes in the end. What's so interesting about you, Lindy, is like, I think so many people love, for example, like interior design, find that they love doing that, but then they're like, oh, well, I'm not an interior designer, so I can't do that for my profession. But you were like, let me learn how to do it myself and then become Mm -hmm. that, become what I want. Like you're almost kind of like a master manifester. I like didn't even think about this before, but like really the way that you've (laughs) been able to say, like you really are like that you didn't let that limiting belief of like, I don't know things. I don't have a background in this. You didn't let that stop you. I think even people Mm -hmm. with a degree in what they're doing, they still get imposter syndrome. You know, I have had so much imposter syndrome in my life. I know everybody has. And I find it so fascinating that instead of having that mental block that a lot of people do of like, yeah, I love this, but I don't know anything about it. So I can't do this for a career. You like full steamed ahead, educated yourself, faked it to yeah. make it, you know, knew how to like get over those mental blocks. So I, this is just like a pivot, but hearing you talk, I'm like, that's actually fascinating because not a lot of people yeah. are able to do what you have done to teach yourself into a new career that you didn't have background in. What do you think gave you yeah. the confidence to be able to do that? Mm. I think that one of the biggest things was that because I wasn't in the industry before, I actually think that it ended up becoming really big strength. I knew that that I could have this design sense. I mean, that was just innately in me from a young age and from what I had done in my previous careers. I think that what I saw was the gap in people that can make the leap from you know, doing something they love to actually making it to a business and making it successful is actually the internal working of the business. And so I actually feel like my career and my growth in this has been less about, you know, the, um, the design and more about the structure in there that then really elevated and held up the design. So I think that's one of the big things. I think that when you're in the beginning and you don't know, like there's something that is really great about that. And in my case, you know, I didn't know how to put together, you know, an ID set and all these things. I knew how to make something stunning, but I didn't know the standards for how something is supposed to run, how something is supposed to look on paper. And what ended up being great is I kind of forged my own path. I was like, I don't know these things, but instead of being like, oh my gosh, I don't know them and I'm never going to figure this out. I was like, I'm just going to figure out what works best for me. And that ultimately ended up creating kind of a a unique spot for me because people were like, oh, I haven't seen it done like this before. And I was like, good or bad, like good or bad that you haven't seen it before. And I think that sometimes that leap can feel so scary when you don't know something or you haven't gone to school for it. But I think being able to just show up with confidence every day and like being able to accept and take the moments that don't go well um, or the failures and being able to kind of, you know, learn from that and use it for the next piece of your, of your journey. I love what you just said about almost kind of like having that vision within yourself and not, it sounds like you didn't like question it. You know, you're like, I know that this is my vision. This is what I know is going to work. I think especially when people have the imposter syndrome or feel like, you know, I don't have background in this. I'm not good enough for this. I don't have education in this. The easiest thing to do for them is to like, look at this successful person and almost try to mirror what they do rather than doing what they know is best for them. You know what I mean? Like, so it's really amazing that you 
stuck to that idea of like, this is my vision. I know what's going to work. And so that you can keep that confidence and sounds like, because you know your vision. So even though you don't know whatever the contractor said to you and you have to go Google it later, which by the way, I think is another great tip of like, you can always Google things and figure it out as you go. Google's here for you. Google's here for you. (laughs) Google has your back. But I think that that's actually an amazing perspective to be able to focus and stay consistent with your vision and what you want it to be, because that's what's going to set you apart Mm -hmm. from other people rather than getting caught up in the I'm not good enough for this. So let me try to mirror someone that I know is already doing a good job. Instead, be doing something that's so unique to you. Do you feel like that's what's been the secret to your success? I think so. I mean, I think that in the beginning, I for sure had imposter syndrome. There were moments where I was like, am I good at this? Like, you know, I look back and it's like, I was working from Starbucks you know, I uh, was a solo show and now we have a big team and we have another side of our business. We have our studio that designs custom homes and then our shop where we produce all of our own furniture. And so, yeah, I think that like, it's so easy in the beginning to look at what everyone else is doing and to compare yourself in that and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not here. I'm not there. But I think at the end of the day, staying focused on where you are and letting that be the path that you're on is a really key component. I think that We lose confidence when we look around at all the different people and different successes. And I think embracing that your journey is going to be different and embracing that you don't want it to be the same is actually such a key component. I think that if we all follow the same path, we're all bland. So whether it's business or even design, like I I am someone that's like, I never want to be stuck in the same design style. I want to evolve as the world evolves, as I evolve as a designer. And I think that those things, if you can just embrace evolution of yourself and just kind of let some of that come as it will, that I think that that is going to do you uh, just so much more than comparing yourself or trying to follow another path. Now, finding that path for yourself can be tricky, but I think that's where you just need to be really hyper-focused and sort of take things step by step. I love that being open to evolution, knowing that that's going to come, that it should come, that that's part of business, part of life. You obviously like your business is based off of you being so creative. You know, you have such a strong Mm -hmm. aesthetic design, creative background, but then you are also very involved in the business side. You're managing a whole company, Mm -hmm. you have e commerce. How has that been balancing that creative side with fostering the business side too? Yeah, I think that the seasons are where you have to focus and just allow those seasons to be what they are. And know that each of those seasons, whether it's creative season or a business pushing season, that those two things are really bringing you what you you know need to kind of get to that next level and have that edge. For me, one of the great things is that my husband came on four years ago. And so he took on a lot of the operations. So that has allowed me to really jump back into the creative and everything from designing homes to designing furniture on our shop side. And so even finding partners that can sort of alleviate those things will help in clearing the path for more of your creative. But you have to just you know know that when you're getting into it, whatever it is you're getting into, you get into it because of the thing you love. And if you want to stay hobby level, that's great. And you can continue to do that. But if you want to take it to the next level, you're going to have to make you know those leaps and, um, and embrace the season that will come with more of the business side of things. Do you have any tips for like for other people who balance almost like the business piece, the creative piece, mm-hmm. do you like batch in different days or do you have like, like how do you, I'm just curious, like how are you switching between all the hats? Like what are your tips totally. to make you productive in all the things that you're doing? 
I think in the beginning, I was like scatterbrained all over because I'm trying to manage all these different things. Now we, of course, have a team, so they're able to kind of take some of those buckets. But I think that batching is the biggest thing that has helped me. I don't like to just have my email open all day because I feel like that's really distracting. So I close that down and try to check it like two times a day. I also took off my phone recently, which has been like maybe the most freeing thing, but I do have my laptop with me at all times. So if like I get a text that something's come through, I'll like, you know, hop on. But that has been like such a freeing experience. But the batching is so important. Like Monday through Wednesday, I'm in the office and I am like doing meetings, doing presentations, you know, working with the team on different things. And then Thursday, and Friday are my creative days, whether it's I'm writing or I'm working on a project or um, doing something that is I kind of need that like brain space for. And I think that's with creatives the biggest hang up when you have a business is you can't do the back and forth because you creativity doesn't come in one hour. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't come in a one hour gap between meetings and emails and all the different ways you're pulled. So I have found like having days designated to that has really been fruitful to myself and to the business itself. Yes, having that distinct time. Maybe turn your phone off, put your email away. Like I know how easy it is to like constantly be wanting to check my email and like always updating. But ever since I kind of have a rule for myself where, well, I'm really bad at this. So I'm maybe not a good example. But like in my ideal world, I would check my email once in the morning and once at night. And like, that's it for the day. And then you're focused on other tasks. You know, I think that that can be very helpful in just compartmentalizing and so you're not like responsive to people. Like that probably helps with the phone too, is like, if you're always yeah. getting notifications, you're always on playing defense or offense. I don't know how it is. I'm yeah. not going to tell yeah. whichever, <laughs> whichever one that is, but you're like constantly in response to someone else rather than being, yeah. this is what it is, totally. reactive rather than proactive. That's what That's I- That's totally it. That's yes. a better sports analogy. Yes. So I love, I love that. that tip. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the sports analogy, whatever it is, I think that it really is like your space, your body, your mind. You just need that space to be uninterrupted if you're going to do your best creative work. And you know, there's so many people in history that some of them did their best work either early in the morning or really late at night. And the reason for that is because that was the most uninterrupted time. And that allowed them to be heavily focused on that and then go into the day or, you know, end the day, um, but have that really focused time. And so I think, you know, you know, these are people that are like way back in history and you think about now and we're pulled in so many different directions. So really allowing yourself to stay in that space is important. I mean, I hear so many creative people say like, oh, I have to stay up late to write this, or I have to do it first thing in the morning. And you're right. Probably just because people have less access to you then. You're feeling more isolated. So I think that's such a good point of like, if you're doing any kind of creative work, whether it's morning, night, whatever, or just turn off your technology, tell your partner to like go for a walk for an hour. I don't know, figure it out, go to <laughs> a coffee out. shop, like <laughs> get them out and like have that, yeah. that space that's just you. Cause you're right. I, I think that yeah. it's like a giving and receiving energy of like, if you're always responding to people, whether it's on your phone, whether it's your coworker, your you know boyfriend in the next room, whatever, then you're not able to like spend the energy to be creative. And it's like, it's just, there's an energetic block there. So I think that's such a good tip for any creative person out there. I mean, my best work is usually done between the hours of like 8.30 and 2 a.m. My best creative work, like that is where I, I feel like I thrive because there's no interruption and because there's just this long length of time to like really sit in what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. And so I love those hours. Um, I think that they're 
just the most creative juice. And I'm not a morning person. So you'll never see me at the gym at 6am. You'll never see me out of bed for like seven. So you got to find what works for you. So are you doing all of almost like the creative pieces of the decor at night or is that just like sometimes? Um, it's sometimes, um, just depends on, you know, the schedule. And again, it's kind of the seasons thing. Like when I am like really all in on creative, like the best part about that is it flows, right? Like those seasons are so amazing because it just feels like it flows out of you. So I do a lot of work at night. Um, a lot of my like design work on creating new products or um, coming up with custom ideas for homes because I don't know I just feel like that's my my like most most creative um, edge time. But there is times in the office. I mean, we're a very collaborative team, so there are a lot of times we'll have creative sessions um, on different things that we're working on, from projects to the shop. And uh, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a mix. When it was just me, it was like I would do all the the admin not so fun work in the day um putting together you know spec books and id sets and all that and then at night would be my creative but now that i have a team you know it's so important to cultivate that and i love the ideas that we all bring to the table and i feel like that is what the biggest difference i've seen from being by myself to having a big design team now is that we are all able to really elevate what we're all doing to another level when we're collaborating I like like it's having the balance of like your alone time to let the totally. juices flow and then being able to have people that you're collaborating with and kind of uh, building off of each other. And like, I think yeah. that both can be equally beneficial to the creative process. Absolutely. I love that. I am curious. I always wonder this about really great designers who have like a, a very obvious like style that's very signature to them. Your mm-hmm. style is so distinct. It's so gorgeous. How do you manage being true to that style and like being able to be a creative visionary with doing a job for a client and adding in their tastes and opinions? Like, what is that balance like? That's got to be so hard. Yeah. So I feel like at this point, we're in a really nice spot where people give us so much of the, the creative reins. But what I found in my journey is that when a client brings something, it is such a blessing because I feel like sometimes it can feel like, well, that's not my style. But I think what's interesting is when you try and weave your style into what they want. And I think the key most important thing is it's not really about how it looks for them. For them, it is about how it feels. It's the emotion that it evokes. It's how safe they feel in their home. It's what they experience in their home. And so I think that focusing on that has been the biggest thing and the biggest key um, because I feel like it's, you know, it can look a certain way all day, but if they're going to live there for 10 years, before they call us for the next remodel, like, you know, how, how do we want it to feel in that, in that space? And our, our three words that we really define everything by is comfort, connection, and inspiration. Every one of the design that we do, whether it's a project or a new product, everything is really circling around that. You know, we want people to feel really comfortable in their homes, comfortable, you know, um, day in, day out, no matter what the day brings and the season brings for them connected to people that they love, people that they're just meeting and inspired when they wake up in the morning. And I think those things are such a driver of what a home is. And I think sometimes people are like, no, it's all about like what it should look like, but it's both. And it should really be this experience of home rather than just the way it looks. It's, it can be both. Your home is about how you feel, who you're connected to. You know, it's like, what you want to, like, who do you want to entertain and have a wine night with your friends in? Like, wh- where do you want to totally. raise your family in? You know, it's like, it's like the biggest moments of your life are going to happen here. Where do you want to put your Christmas tree? And how do you want to feel opening presents on 
Christmas morning. You know, like it's that, yeah. it, that's so true that home is so much more than just how it looks, especially like, yeah. I don't know. I think in this very like Instagram focused aesthetic world, it can be easy to go For there. Sure. So I love your shift of like, it's also about how it feels to people. Something that I've thought about when I am decorating my home to no level that you <laughs> decorate homes. But what I thought about it is I think that like your home is a really important part of manifestation. Like it really, I don't know yeah. why I keep accidentally bringing up manifestation with you, Lindy. I swear I I'm not it. like intentionally I'm, I'm doing it. For it. <laughs> <laughs> you're making me think about it. But because I, I think it like your home determines the mood you, you're in. You know, I think it's kind of like the dress for the job yeah. you want, not the job you have thing where it's like you're decorating totally. for the life that you want, not just like the life that you currently have. Like it's, you know, it, it's taking pride in your home environment and the way that you keep it and the way that it feels to you. How do you recommend that people listening that, you know, don't have a wonderful interior decorator like you to help them? How can they be thoughtful of adding in those elements to increase the feeling of it and to make that piece of it feel better to them in their home? Yeah, I think that there is so much that a home does bring. And I've lived in a variety of homes. I got married at 21 with my um, husband and we, trust me, we lived in like back houses. We lived in small shacks. And I think what was important in each one was just a few key pieces, no matter what our budget was in different times that could really bring a sense of, um, of home and a sense of comfort and all those, you know, emotions that we want to invoke. And so, you know, I think that the easiest things are your main pieces. So everything from your sofa, like I always feel like, man, that sofa is going to be the comfort, the connection and the inspiration, right? Like you want to feel comfortable on your sofa. That is where you're probably going to have coffee or wine night with your girls. And that's also where hopefully inspiration will come or at least a good Netflix binge. And um, I think that finding those key pieces that are going to be the parts that are kind of the circular part of your world are the most important. So if you can't do your entire home, don't worry about it. Pick the areas that are the most important. Pick um, you know, amazing counterstools that you love the look of and that feel really comfortable because how many homes have we been in where the heart of the home, as we call it, is just surface level talk? Let's get beyond that. Let's get a piece that brings us to a point where we're being vulnerable. We're talking about the hard stuff in life and we're accepting however our guests or our partner or ourselves are coming into that space. Same thing with your bedroom. I mean, come on now, that's where you're waking up. That's your first impression of your day. And so those are kind of the areas that I would recommend really focusing on because the feature moments of your life should be the feature moments of your design. You're so right. Like we'll talk about like the kitchen is the heart of the home or whatever, but it's like maybe people do spend the most time in their bedroom because that is a, what is the first thing that you're saying when you wake up and like, what do you want that to be? What's going to inspire you to start your day? Maybe it's the living room, because that's where you hang out on the couch after work every night. So you want it to feel like yeah. this oasis for you and like putting your time and effort into whichever room you deem as being most important to you. I would love like whatever. I feel like you have so many great tips. I'm the kind of person where I like know my distinct style. Like I can make a killer Pinterest yeah. board, but I struggle with making everything look gorgeous in real life, like styling a bookshelf or a gallery hmm. wall. Like I have no idea. So maybe just sharing some of your best design tips that you recommend to anybody who's just starting out and trying to, you know, beautify their home. Absolutely. One thing that I always like to think about too is, um, you know, I think sometimes we think about our home, like this is what's going to bring us happiness, or this is the thing that's going to like take me to the next level. And I think no matter what you do, no matter what you design, like being grounded in the fact that 
your home isn't going to be that always that next step to whatever it is that you know your heart wants. But what it can do is it can embrace the life messes. And no matter how it looks, or if you've got that one room that you know stays empty, the reality is that we just want to create a home that you know has comfort, connection, and inspiration. And the the design details on top of that are what will help you feel that every day. But also embracing that life is going to bring so many different seasons. And I we've worked with so many different people that are like, you know, hoping that their new home is going to save their marriage or their new home is going to bring them, um, you know, they had great success selling their company. And so they're like, this is going to be my, you know, moment. And um, it doesn't always work out like that. And I think that knowing that your home can be something that can feel safe, but it isn't necessarily going to be the life fix, but it's going to be the place where you ground yourself and the place where you, you know, meet with your your people and um, and find those connections to really kind of go through those life seasons. And as far as tips, um, I think that the biggest thing is making a statement in each room. Sometimes we'll see Pinterest and they're like, oh my gosh, I need a statement here and I need a statement there. And it's like suddenly their whole home is a statement or they get so overwhelmed that they end up just having white walls everywhere. My biggest recommendation is to always find a spot that is going to be the future moment. So back to the sofa that you're going to sit on wine night with girls, like the sofa might be facing a fireplace. Make your fireplace in that area, you know, really powerful. Um, whether it's you know the stone or the tile or even just the furniture surrounding it, but make that the statement. And I think same thing in a bedroom. Like if you can't wallpaper every wall, that's fine. Wallpaper one wall and make that kind of the moment that you see when you walk in. Is that that statement? Okay, I love that because it feels more tangible. I like look at gorgeous rooms on Pinterest. You think that all of it's got to be like the statement moments where that's such a uh, maybe more tangible way to approach design is like, let me find a few things that I love or like, what is the one, the couch that I really love or the accent piece Mm -hmm. that I really love. And like, that can be the highlight and build everything more neutral around it. It sounds like you're saying. Totally. Yes. Do you find like, are there any rules that are easy to follow? Like, I know that some people they say like, make your bedroom neutral because it's better for sleep or like design in, in thirds where like a lamp and a picture frame and a flower vase, like if there are three things, those like any, those are just a couple examples that I've heard. All of those. Do you follow any rules like that? You like those? <laughs> yeah, those are all good. My biggest one, and my friends always make fun of me for it, but is the size of a rug. Like if I could give you any one tip for a room that is going to make the room look amazing, it is going to be a rug. You need to ground the space, but it's all about proportions. So sometimes people have a rug and it's just like barely, their sofa's like barely sitting on top of the rug. And what I like to do is have that rug kind of embrace more of the furniture, whether all the furniture is on or, you know, it's at least a foot underneath all the furniture pieces. You will be amazed how much that brings scale to the room and proportion and visually really makes the room feel bigger as well. So basically like maybe making your rug a little bit bigger than you think. Yeah. I feel like that's usually an area that, you know, people will kind of do the smaller one, um, but making it a little bit bigger will really kind of uh, finish out the room. And there's so many things. I mean, there's like draperies. I, you know, many people are like, I I don't, you know, trust me, my own husband is like, what do we need drapery for? And then it gets in and he's like, oh my gosh, like it, it just changes the whole, you know, experience of, of the room. And it's just those layers. That's what it's all about. I wouldn't get too hung up on some of the things that you're going to see on Pinterest where it's like, you got to do threes of this and that, because that can feel so limiting. 
And so I think just like create, think about layers and what those layers mean to you and how you can bring those in. Can you give some examples of what that means for people? Like if you were going to design a space, yeah. what are those layers that you look at? So we, um, it's so funny because every time we do an installation, I feel like I'm still surprised every time, even though I've done this for years, but watching the layers of a home come together is one of the most like magical things to me because you start with the rug, then you add the furniture. And this is the part where like, it can be like a room. You can sit in it, you can be comfortable, you know, but once you add in the layers of pillows and accessories and coffee table books and, um, you know, drapery, those are the layers that give it a little bit more life without that. It's just a room with some furniture, maybe pretty furniture, but I think that there's ways to really expand on that. And that's the stuff that isn't overly crazy in budget either. So if you're looking to kind of balance, like put your money into those great pieces, those furniture pieces that are hopefully going to be heirloom pieces with you for a long time, but add in those layers that are going to be really important to bring the room to life. But seriously, every install, I'm like, every day is another layer. And I'm like, it just makes such a difference every time. And I actually like thinking about it that way because the problem for me in my home is that I like never feel like it's like finished. Like I'm like, oh, well, I still want to get this piece. Like this feels empty, you know, like it, and I'm like, at what point of my life will I start feeling like, oh, this is done. Like I feel good about this. And that's a helpful way for me to think of it of like, what is the next layer? Like, where is this going next? What are those like different pieces and to almost like separate it rather than like seeing the whole room and being like, I don't know. So I think that's actually very a helpful way to like break it down what are some changes people can make if they don't want to spend a lot of money or any money at all? Like, are there any little things that are just easy tweaks to make that's not buying something new? I think back to this studio apartment that my husband and I lived in and it was junky. We were first married and we had no money, like no money. And um, 21, 23, like that we had life together. Like clearly we did it. But we announced in 15 years. So we can laugh at so many things on our 15 years of marriage. Um, but I remember we walked into there and, um, and again, so much of this is like this interesting manifestation of things because this was, you know, 15 years ago and here I am now, but I was like, this place needs baseboards. Like our apartment didn't have, that's a generous word, our studio, back house by the beach though, but it didn't have baseboards. So we spent a Saturday like at Home Depot and like did it ourselves and got the baseboards in. So I think about those moments as like these really sweet, also kind of frustrating because like, you know, the saw wasn't working at one point. We didn't know what we were doing. The edges didn't look great, but there's always ways to enhance. I would say one of the biggest things can be your walls. I think that's the understated area that can be a big statement. So say you don't have a big budget or you want to make one change. I feel like that is something that can be really impactful is wallpaper or something on the walls whether it's millwork or I just think that can really kind of help bring warmth to a space and really liven it up a lot. I mean, it's the biggest part of the room is the wall. So to focus yeah. on it makes sense yeah. to, to get the biggest bang for your buck. Exactly. There's nothing easier to than going to buy a can of paint. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be this extravagant thing right now. Um, you know, one of the things that we're loving is line wash and that I can totally see people doing on one wall in their room. You know, light and bright was the thing for a long time. And we still love natural light, but having these kind of moodier moments is is having a moment of its own. And so there's a lot of people that have amazing tutorials on how to do lime wash. And what it is, is paint with a lot of movement and a lot of texture. 
And so even something like that, I mean, you know, might be a whole weekend, maybe a week, but, um, but that's kind of a fun way to also add that layer of texture. So maybe you do that. And then you put a great print up and that again is layers. It's not just flat paint. It's got movement. And then you've got the layer of the art piece. And so that's, again, it really all comes back to layering. It all comes back to layering. And that's a good point about the texture too. I mean, I know this is probably obvious to you. I mean, and probably a lot of people out there, but I've never really thought of like texture. Like that's so true of if you combine a yeah. stone with a piece of wood with yes. like a fluffy blanket, like even that itself is like adding so much dimension to a space rather than if everything was like, you think of those like very modern houses where everything is just very sleek and stone yeah. and like, that's it. Like, like Kim Kardashian's house love oh, gorgeous. I know, right? like, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, but it's all just one thing. So like, it, but who's it, living it, there really? But who's living there? Who's living there? Right. So right. that that's a good way to think of it too, of like, what more texture can I add to create that interesting layer? And I think that that's something that it's, you're not adding, throwing a lot of money at it. You know, it could be like a $20 fuzzy throw blanket and that's adding something. So I think thinking of texture is a really great tip too. I'm also really curious because I feel like what you do so well, Lindy, is you do the like effortless chic so well, like there's something about your designs that you can tell they're like gorgeous and stunning and like your jaw drops, but they seem so effortless. You know, they don't seem like this like museum that's, you know, you can't touch anything. Like they feel lived in and like, almost like we know how much work you put into them, but it almost is like someone just like threw that branch there and it landed there perfectly. You know what I mean? Like it's, you have this like effortless result in your work. And I think that that is like what so many people are going for in their homes is to create something that's beautiful, Mm. but feels lived in and effortless. Do you have any tips on how you achieve that look? Okay. So how I think about all of this is, and this is like a newfound thing for me because I, we just built our own home and I have two kids. And so it's stunning, but it was also like, how do I make it work for family life? And that's what a lot of our clients are. And that's, you know, no matter what you got, you got kids, you got cats, you got dogs, whatever it is, making it a comfortable space. But I think that it can only be as comfortable as you are willing to allow life to enter those walls. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you can have the beautiful home, you can have every single pillow perfectly chopped, you can have everything. But I think what we're all looking for is really something more, um, like you said, lived in something that feels more comfortable. And we can't attain that comfort if everything feels so perfectly so. So some of the things that we like to do are some basics are just in the fabrics. We love using linens because they have a more casual laid back feel. And then we also like to layer a lot of accessories because it doesn't feel like this face and this thing, you know, it's like the, the thing of threes. I love it because it's true, but then I like to layer in a lot of things on the shelves so that it feels more full and it just gives your eye a lot to look at. I think that this kind of style really is embracing that perfect isn't perfect. We don't want that in our homes. And, you know, my biggest thing, even in my own journey doing our homes, like I didn't want people to have that feeling where they walk in and they're like, it's beautiful. And I can't touch anything and I don't want to sit and I don't want to drink my red wine like in your, you know, living room. And I was like, no, I want all those things because that is a well lived life. And so, you know, then it's just thinking through like, let's get a higher performance fabric so that like we can spill wine. Let's, um, you know, do things in the space that allow people to walk in. And I think in any home that we're doing, the biggest compliment that we've ever got from a client or their guests or even my guests in my home is this is so beautiful, but it feels so comfortable. And I think that's the biggest thing for 
um, for a home. And now there's a time and a place for every style. Like Kim Kardashian, you know, her home is so beautiful in its own way. But if you're looking for a little bit more of that warmth, I think that's how you can really bring that to life in a way that feels comfortable. And we love just like natural elements. So we're not really into like a ton of pattern, really just into this like simple is more. So which my husband will laugh about because he's like, nothing you design is simple in cost. <laughs> um, but <laughs> our client, any clients listening would be like, Lindy, come on now. Um, but using things like, <laughs> like wood tones and, um, you know, ceiling treatment can go a long way. Things that, um, that can bring that warmth and that effortlessness are really in some of those natural elements and, and just not overthinking it. You know, a pop of color here and there can be so great. And like, obviously everyone should play into their own style and what they are drawn to. Sure. But where a lot of that effortless does come from, it makes sense of like, there are natural elements, you know, it is like, I keep going back to the branches thing, but I think you have like so many gorgeous branches and like so much of what you do. So like things like that, where it's like, it's a natural element or it's a wood or it's a linen, like things that like feel very natural, but then that also makes it give this effortless, but also comfortable feel. So I think that that's a really good thing to to think about as well. The other thing that I think you do so well, Lindy, is like you make your space, spaces feel almost like very romanticized. And I'll explain what I mean, but I like I Please. like I think of it like the the Nancy Myers thing where it's like you know you see the spaces that Nancy Myers does in her movies and you like feel someone like sitting and and sipping their coffee on a you know Tuesday morning with Frank Sinatra playing you know what I mean like you feel yeah. the moments happening it feels like a romanticized moment when decorating my apartment I really thought about romanticizing my life in that way of like buying gorgeous mugs that I'm going to be obsessed with so that I can sip my coffee every morning or I did a gallery wall of old Hollywood prints over my sofa because it makes me feel inspired and glamorous and so I like thought a lot about those little moments on like how do I romanticize my space how do you use your space or other spaces that you design to romanticize your life I love this question. I feel like the best advice I ever got was actually from our business coach. And a couple years ago, I was in just like a creative slump. And it was right when we were starting our home. And I was like, what are the chances that I would feel in a creative slump? Like right when I'm about to build my dream home. And what she said was like, take a piece of paper or a computer and go write out your vision for yourself in five years. She's like, this how, you know, for us, homes can take, you know, anywhere from like two to four years depending on the scale and what we're doing. And so she's like, think about this, you know, in five years, what do you want it to feel like? What do you want everything from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep? What does that look like? So I end up writing a ton of pages of what it would look like for me to wake up in the morning and greet my kids and, you know, what kind of flow I want in the house to embrace our normal routine. A home isn't that great if it doesn't serve your everyday purpose. And I think that's where sometimes it can get missed as well. And I mean, I feel like so contradictory because I'm a designer and I should be like, it's all about beauty. But I think (laughs) that there's something so... And it should be. But there's so much more about home that it has to, to offer. And so I think that one of the biggest things you can do is write that out. I mean, be so specific. Like we live near the beach and we love the beach and my husband loves to surf. So it's like, you know, when I wake up, like I'm a slow morning gal and he goes off to surf. And then, you know, we're doing this with the kids after, you know, after work and things like that, that I think that with our clients, even, you know, more of the questions we have for them is not what your style is. It's actually more, how do you embrace every day? 
What does it look like? And most importantly, what are the most chaotic moments in your day? And how can we alleviate that with your environment and your space? So I would say, write that out. Like really, in, you know, put yourself in that moment and in the spaces and that vision will help everything else come together. Can you share an example of like how... So like when your client says, this is the most chaotic part of my day or like, like how do you apply that into interior design? I'm so curious. Yeah, this is sometimes like the most practical side of design. And I think that um, this is such an important piece is to marry like the practical side of your life with design. So when they are like, you know, I feel the most chaotic when my kids get home from school, I get home from work. It's like, well, then what can we do with in that space that you first walk into? Maybe it's your front entry or if you have a garage, you're coming in the back. Like, what's that first like moment? And maybe that moment needs to be like a total organized spot where we have like, we designed that cabinetry to have a space for everything so that it doesn't feel like overpowered with shoes or it doesn't feel like there's stuff everywhere. I think that what when I think of home, I, it's like a clearing. And I think that clearing of your space really helps the clearing of your path. And if we have stuff... I'm a minimalist at heart. But like if we have stuff everywhere, if we don't have a place for things, that is going to cause the chaos. So sometimes I feel like it's so simple and we kind of forget that like it's all about just how can we practically integrate these things. But I find that's usually the most people's like most stressful times, like getting out the door in the morning or coming back. So why not make your mudroom or your entry the place that feels the most calm? And the only way it's gonna feel calm is if everything has a place. Now I'm thinking of, you know, like when you're relaxing on the couch, having a glass of wine with your significant other, what is that space like? That can enhance that moment that you have with your significant other. Absolutely. Or it can ease stress that you feel in your chaotic moments of your day. Like your home can be such an asset to you living your best life, not even just because it's aesthetic and beautiful and gorgeous, but because of the yep. function, the comfortability, the way you think about it can ease stress or boost mood or like it has a huge effect on the way you live your life. So thinking it about totally it in that way is such a helpful frame of like, getting people involved in what they actually want their life to be like, and then applying their home that way. Yeah. I think that's such an easier approach rather than like, I know a lot of people who are like, I just don't have the design eye. I don't know where to start. I want it to look good. But I, yeah. I think starting there of like, not just how you want it to look, but how can your home enhance your life? We are going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. First question for you, coffee order. Oh, definitely going to be a cinnamon cold brew. It gets me going in the morning. I love a good cold brew. I love it. I know. I know. Your favorite movie. Okay. My husband makes fun of me for this all the time, but The Holiday, I just can... I will never get over that movie. Ever. I know some people are like, it's so cheesy. I don't care. It's my my movie. A (laughs) 1000%. I was really hoping you were going to say Nancy Myers anything because like that just connects (laughs) so much for me. So I'm so So glad. Yeah. Yeah. But The Holiday is so good. Okay. Would you rather live in Cameron Diaz's house or Kate Winslet's house? Okay, this is a hard one, but I do feel like I would, I mean, the talk about romanticizing, right? Like Kate Winslet's house was just like this warmth and like, it was just so, I mean, maybe just because it's not the life I live in California. So I was like, oh, that just looks so beautiful and fun. And so, yeah, I mean, at this stage, I also like, you know, just felt quiet and calm and peaceful. So maybe that one, but you know, no one would be upset about either one, I think. No, I mean, you wouldn't complain having like the stunning... (laughs) Bel Air Mansion either, for sure. Totally, it's so funny totally. to say that that movie, because me and my CEO, Elena, we have this conversation a lot where like we think that everybody is either 
the Cameron Diaz character or the Kate Winslet. Like you, everyone watches that totally. movie and like sees themselves as one or the other. Like I so see myself in the California mansion and she's like, why would you want that when you can go to this like gorgeous little cottage in London? And you know, like it's so, so it's so funny. Yeah. It's like, so like just your taste. So but I love that you picked that. Totally. I, it's It never gets old. I could watch that during the holidays. I could watch that in the summer. Uh, and it's the best movie uh, Yeah. I'm Little July viewing. It just boosts your mood. It's a mood lifter and a good interior design inspo. So it's good on all fronts. It is. Because you have a lot of different styles in that movie. And so it's good for all of that. Yeah. 100%. Okay, Lindy, a favorite ritual that you have every day that you swear by and helps with your productivity and energy and happiness. Lately, I've really been taking quiet moments. So instead of, I, this is my, this was my go-to for years. I would grab my phone and I would instantly scroll. Most times just go straight to email. And what I realized is it just like brought my stress level immediately up. So I have been really practicing and it sounds so simple. And it's not like when someone was like, just don't touch your phone in the morning. I'm like, okay, it's not rocket science, but it feels like it when you're in the moment of practicing it. it totally but once does. you practice it, it's like even just that 10 minutes of getting your body up and just really kind of being in that quiet stillness is really powerful. And I think more powerful than we even realize. Probably, especially if you're running a business or have a very busy career life, like it can be so yeah. tempting to be like, well, I can't be off my phone. I have to be reactive. But we're having a lot of yeah. full circle moments here. But- I, we are. I love it. <laughs> But I think that's probably so helpful to like center yourself and ground yourself. So that's an amazing tip. Yeah. Okay. This question's going to be a hard one for you. Your favorite room that you've ever designed. Oh my gosh. That is a hard one. Okay. I'm going to say this simply because I don't get to always experience a client's home, right? Like we have the big reveal and it's so fun, but then I leave and I always am like, what's your favorite room when you're in there? Like, I'm always so curious to see what they say. But just having recently finished our build, I feel like um, I can speak from like a different perspective because of what it brought in feeling. And so we have this um, lounge and it was supposed to originally be an office because we were building, it was like 2020 and we're like, we need work from home space. Last minute, I was like, I just think we need like a different hangout space than the everyday life of the great room. So um, I designed the space to be really moody. We've got barreled ceilings and um, it's got like dark lime wash on it. it, has a little bit more of like an English library feel. And I think that what we love about designing homes is like finding those rooms that can be a little bit more of that kind of intimate space. So, I mean, so many nights with, you know, girlfriends or couples and just like having those like real life moments because the room really evokes that. So maybe that one, I feel like that's a weird answer because it's my own home, but it's just because of the experience of it. No, listen, if you're, I mean, I get the experience part, but also if your favorite room is not your room, like you should redo your room. Like, you know, like, (laughs) so I'm glad that that you said something of yours. Penny, do you have a picture of the room that you can send us? Cause I want to see, and we can post on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, I definitely do. We can send that over. Sounds amazing. Oh my God. So cool. Last question for you, Lindy, leave our audience with a book or any other tool or resource that has changed your life. Okay, I'm reading this book right now and everyone's going to be like, total yawn, boring way to end this. But it's called um, Discipline is Destiny. And I feel like, or it's, um, or Destiny is Discipline. But nonetheless, it is this really empowering book all about getting your edge. And it's less about like, make sure you're working out and eating well and things like that. It's more about these stories of impactful people in our world who really had their most creative edge or their most powerful edge by having these really 
great disciplines. And what I love about it is it says that like discipline is actually the thing that gives us the most in life and doesn't actually take away. And often I think we think about discipline as like removing something good and instead it can actually be something that empowers us. And so again, it's not like the most, you know, inspirational design (laughs) book, but I think as a life book and as a business book, I think it's really beautiful. And I haven't heard of that one. I usually like hear about all the books because I'm doing this all the time. So, and I haven't heard of that (laughs) one before. So I have to check that out. That sounds Yeah, yeah, you do. Wow. Well, Lindy, thank you so much. This was so fun. Literally, it's like very hard to discuss interior design in an audio setting because it's so visual. And (laughs) totally, you brought it to life so well and gave so many great tips. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun and I so appreciate it. Yay. Last question. Where can everyone find you? Check out your designs. Give us all the details. Yes. We're pretty much on all the platforms from Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, TikTok is not, you know, I'm, I'm still exploring that pace, place, but it's, hard, yeah. um, it's just, it's hard. It's my name, L-I-N-D-Y-E and then G-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y, Lindy Galloway. My parents had fun with the spelling of my first name that has been the curse <laughs> of my life. So just remember the Y-E, but that's our handle for all of our spots. Thank you so much, Lindy. It's been great. Yes. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Every Girl Podcast on Instagram or theeverygirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.